your crime. Welcome to Properly Howard, a podcast that reviews classic films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the remake of the classic 90s basketball comedy, White Men Can't Jump. This fresh take on the athletic deficiencies of Caucasians marks Jack Harlow's movie debut. With me to discuss what's popping with this film is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Steve, how would you rank actors who were once music artists? Top four or five for you. They made the transition from musician exclusively to... Yeah. Hmm. This is all kind of stuff that I could have prepped you with ahead of time. Sure, sure. But I, I, I don't. It makes for whatever it is we do. Uh, I I'm... mean, let me just say, part of this podcast is that you have this party trick. Well, it presents as a party trick, but it kind of goes into your psychosis. Mm. <laughs> where you just have this inexhaustible supply of useless knowledge about pop culture. Sure. Uh, so I, sometimes I like to showcase that. Yeah, it's funny. The first one that came to mind was Tina Turner uh, from uh, uh, Thunderdome. Yeah, um, yeah and, and, not, and not because I put her in like the Pantheon, but like that was just like the first image that I got. Um, Timberlake's always been solid, right? You know what? That's so funny. I had, I totally forgot about Timberlake. And... You know, I don't know if his movies have sort of been critically acclaimed, but his work on SNL is kind of unparalleled. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really good there. Um, I've seen him in some some actiony things. I saw him, wasn't he in the Social Network? Um, I've seen Beyonce. Um, what was Beyonce in? I for sure saw her in the third Austin Powers Gold member. Okay, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that. Here's one that I don't know. Was Bette Midler a a musician exclusively? What was she? What happened first for Bette Midler? It almost feels like it like happened at the same time. She might have been one of those like, sort of Broadway people who kind of could do both all the time. How do you feel about Harry Connick Jr.? Let's let's do this. Harry Connick Jr. HCJ as he's called in the streets. <laughs> he does amazing voice work in one of my favorite animated films of all time, The Iron Giant. Mm. And is sort of overlooked. He's he's the mother. <laughs> he plays every part. That's right. Yeah, no, otherwise he was sort of in, you know, like what, Flipper or some dolphin Independence movie. Day. <laughs> he was He was in Independence he Day. He was not in Independence Day. Yeah, he was. He was the co-pilot with Will Smith early on. Oh my gosh, you're so right. <laughs> Oh, well, we're overlooking, we're bearing the lead, Will Smith. Right. I guess so, huh? Yeah. Uh, Will Smith. <laughs> I, like how, I like how my vision of Independence Day, when we're talking about famous musicians uh, turned actors, it's, it's the Harry Connick Jr. He was in there for like seven minutes. Will Smith may be top 10 action stars in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Did John Lithgow ever sing? John Lithgow was an amazing tap dancer. Uh, so, all right. So of, of those mentioned, who would you sort of, I mean, well, I guess, I guess J-Lo, now Will Smith, J-Lo right? would be up there, right? Well, she was a dancer. 
Uh-huh. I thought she was a dancer turned actress turned singer. I think that's the order mm, it went. Mm. All right, got it. Um, and then who was and the... Madonna is famously terrible as an actress. Nope, she was pretty good in A League of Their Own. Oh yeah, sure. Sort of a supporting supporting mm-hmm. star, right? And then most recently, you've got uh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, yes. Pretty great. I mean, as far as sort of like. Holding your own as the lead, I suppose it's easier to pull off what Harry Connick Jr. does than necessarily what Lady Gaga did. Bite your tongue. He played a serial killer in a movie. Is that right? I believe it was Copycat with uh, yeah, Holly Hunter. Yeah, but he Hunter. was a serial killer in real life, so it doesn't really... Yeah. He's sort of just playing himself, right? Yeah, so so singers turned serial killers. Oh, uh, speaking of, of that, Sinatra. Right. Frank Sinatra uh, was in several movies, none of which I've seen. I've seen no Frank Sinatra movies. Uh, and and fun fact is that he was um, originally supposed to be John McClane in Die Hard. Is that right? Uh, I don't know if that's what they wanted, but uh, the that's novel... a whole different thing. The novel that Die Hard was based off of was like a sequel to another novel that was made into a movie with Frank Sinatra. So like he had like mm. like right of first refusal. And he was like old still, you know. I mean it mm-hmm. wasn't I mean that's a very, very different film that no one watches. <laughs> uh Elvis. Elvis probably the most movies as a uh, okay, musician. So I would say that Will Smith, you know, if you're just gonna measure acting career against the recording artist career mm-hmm. i think will smith has the most success as an actor he he had, he had, some, he had, he had a couple hits he had a, but not nearly elvis right elvis you don't think big willie style compares to anything elvis did <laughs> elvis clearly was the i mean he was sort of a one of one he was sort of a singular figure in the music world and then made what 10 movies 10 he made like 30-something movies. <laughs> I've never seen an Elvis movie. I've seen several. I went on an Elvis kick for a while. Viva Las, Vegas still, Viva Las Vegas still stands out. Is that his best? In my opinion. I don't understand why I'll make it simple, working. ma'am. Your motor's broken. Broke? But it was running perfectly when I pulled up here, except for the whistle. Are you sure you're a mechanic? Sure I'm a mechanic. I mean, you got here just in the nick of time because we're going to dismantle this whole thing. Completely. It might take a whole day. A day? Maybe two. Well, if you have to. Well, can you lend me a car until you have mine running again? Well, we'll do better than that. I'll be happy to drive you wherever you want to go. And why should you go to all that bother? Because around here I'm known as your very bothering mechanic. I'm sure you The are. song stands out for sure. Yeah. All right, it's so... It's great. I love the idea that he's, you know... He's a racer who loses his money uh, wooing a woman because uh, he falls into a pool and his and his winnings that he was going to use to buy the engine that he needs to win the race uh, gets sucked into the pool uh, jets. And so now... You know, that actually happened to me. That, that, this is, <laughs> he has to... <laughs> Did you have to work as a waiter at the hotel and then, and then enter a talent contest to get the money for the... Uh... Yes, however, I was already registered for the talent contest, so... Oh, okay, so just serendipitous. The motives are a bit different, but... So <laughs> I think if you're going to create kind of a Mount Rushmore, I think Will Smith is on it for sure. Yeah. Uh, Elvis has got to be on it just because... 
just a volume just not necessarily volume but in terms of like he was just the biggest star in the world for like i think you have to measure both both careers against each other right and you could argue that it's the uh, movies that killed him right i mean that's i think that's kind of that he was getting to a point where he was like losing his credibility and he was just like panned movie after movie so like he becomes a star but then it's like it just is is kind of dulling the stars so then he decides you know well the only thing i can do now is do that uh, NBC special and load up on on barbiturates well let's not forget that he ate fried chicken every day and never pooped for a year yeah well that'll get you in the end right i mean that's i could do two months get you in the end is pretty great (laughs) (laughs) so I think, I mean, those two for sure. I mean, Barbara Streisand. If, I think, yeah, I was thinking Babs. If I'm pretty sure she started. Although I, I'll be honest, I am woefully ignorant about my Barbara Streisand film history. Yeah. Oh, like Yentl. Never saw Yentl. Never Star saw is Born, the first. Speaking of. Never saw the first Star is Born. I love, I love the second Star is Born for sure. I love how we're talking about remakes and we're eventually trying to get our way to Jack Har- Harlow. And we actually just talked about a remake we're with at, Barbara Streisand. We're at and Lady minute Gaga. 10. We're at minute 10 of this podcast. I have not said Jack Harlow once. And well, I, you're not going to put him on the pants. I think, I, I, think right I get a little credit for squeezing this out of you before we actually talk about what we can change. And uh, John Lithgow, was that the fourth? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, well, you know, write in cocoonsofhorror.com. Uh, that's actually not a an email formulation. <laughs> nope. You just do whatever you want. It's You're going to spell it wrong It's anyway. not going to get to us anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. No, cocoonsofhorror at gmail.com. Uh, who else would you put on this Mount Rushmore? We're, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's let's let's complete it. Yeah, we'll figure that out. I mean, I think I think what we're looking at is that I, you know, I mean, Snoop Dogg has certainly made himself a little a niche, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily like leading. If we're talking about somebody who's like a lead, he may not be that. Tone Loke was in Heat. Yeah, and he was also in the movie. He. <laughs> he gets. He gets credit for the song Wild Thing, which sort of de facto <laughs> puts him in heat, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and Henry Rollins is also in, in heat. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. All right. Huey Lewis was in some stuff. Yeah, I saw his penis in Shortcuts. Yeah. And I hear that's uh, not as aptly named. <laughs> So glad I started the way I did. What do you want out of a remake? Like, what are sort of like some criteria that you think? Well, I, I want you to be faithful to the original spirit of the film, or I want this character to sort of embody the character I remember, or do you want actual like plot points paralleled? That's a great question because I don't know that I. I think it, it that question assumes I want a remake. You're the one that suggested that we cover nine remakes. Yeah, no, I definitely think I because I think it's worth discussing. I'm gonna I'm gonna now go full Tim Robinson. I said it was interesting. <laughs> I think it's worth looking at, right? But I mean, typically a movie is remade. Usually, you remake a successful movie, right? I mean, right. isn't that kind of typical, or at least one that has 
uh, some sort of a nostalgic place in people's hearts. So then you go, well, let's do that again. And yeah, you think can... you've got a built-in audience, right? Yeah, which is kind of remarkable, right? I mean, it's an interesting concept that says, uh, hey, everybody thinks this is beloved. Um, and because it, it's mostly maybe because of the nostalgia factor, let's redo it and put their nostalgia to the test. And it's like, that's is that a good strategy? Because no, then you end up like, having something polarizing, right? You have people going, well, I don't want to see a remake of this. I think this is great. Right. This is sort of like, hey, you know what everyone loves? Let's ruin it. Right. If you're going to do a remake and you're going to and you're going to get my attention, it has to be somewhat of a maybe a modern reimagining to some degree, right? Like or, it's, maybe you can get something where it's like if we can maintain the spirit, but now we now we have the effects that we didn't have before, right? Like 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 there's plenty of movies that we look back and go, yeah, I mean it doesn't hold up from a you know maybe a technological standpoint, but the story's still good. So maybe that you have an opportunity to retell it, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe the movie is kind of like a guilty pleasure. You know, you like it, but it's it, you know, like I, you can maybe say, "Hey, I know it's not that good, but it, but there's something there. There's some meat to it. So maybe right. if you can come and you can and you can retell the story in a way with maybe maybe a more uh, you know a deft hand that can uh, that can, can can pull out some of the stuff that was the was the good foundation, but like now create a better narrative. Like that's what I think you'd want. I mean, it happens, and I mean we're we're gonna go over these remakes and we're gonna discuss. And I can, I mean, I already know for sure one of the remakes we're gonna go over is substantially better than the original. Well, here's um, what I was going to say. There's another reason why you might do a remake, and that is this film appealed to, like, children of the 70s. Mm -hmm. But children in the 2020s don't watch 70s films. Right. So this was a film that we were sort of aiming at a particular demographic that has aged out. And so it's time that we remake this so that we can kind of capture the new demographic. And I would say that- And, and the story is good enough. The story may may transcend generations. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be tweaked or-, or I would almost modeled. argue that The Force Awakens is mm -hmm. almost a remake in that sense. I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And this is gonna be, you know, heresy to a lot of people but after rewatching a new hope i like the remake better mm. and it's not it's it may have something to do with the ages of my kids and when they experience it for the first time and i think a new hope is a, a really amazing iconic movie but just in terms of storytelling it's really hard for kids under 10 not to fall asleep in star wars um, right. So, and, you know, I mean, your your uh, lightsaber battle, your big climactic one is real, <laughs> real snoozy. Right. Well, and look, and we we both have a lot of affection for that movie. Um, mm -hmm. I still think nothing holds a candle to Empire Strikes Back, but it's, in terms of a Force Awakens being almost a remake of A New Hope, I think that was the spirit. It was like. This movie was beloved by a generation uh, that has kind of aged out, and we would like to capture what this was for Gen Z or something like that. Um, I think that White Man Can't Jump may be the same kind of thing. 
because you know I rewatched White Man Can't Jump the original mm-hmm. with Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez and Wesley Snipes, and I think it's a better film. I I, I just enjoy that film more. Um, the original, the original more, mm-hmm. and my son enjoys the remake more. But he did. He watched the uh, original. He watched some of the original, um, mm-hmm. which made speak to you about how much he enjoyed the original. <laughs> sure. So I think that the clearly the first one is a better movie and yet this one is uh, which I I don't hate this one and I think it it's it's a decent way into our discussion of remakes. Hey, they letting yoga instructors in the gym now. Ball. I just noticed you're not getting enough legs on the shot. Are you dehydrated? 100 bucks you can't make more shots. Let's just do 300. It's not my dad's money. We ain't never gonna get a reparation that way, bro. So I prefer Venmo or Zelle, but you seem like a Cash App guy, so. Ladies and gentlemen! My son likes this one better. And who am I to argue with that? You're tired. You watch both. I feel like you have a, you have a better argument. You have you have a better opportunity to argue because he didn't watch the first. So, so just just by virtue of knowledge okay. and, and experience. All right. So let's interrogate this a bit. I mean, I I'm guessing, like, I'm. How how did you feel about this remake? Uh, this was one of the one of the dullest movies I've watched in a while. <laughs> I did I did not have that experience with it. I'll say a couple things. All right. So I was kind of impressed with Jack Harlow. And Mm. in terms of sort of like, is he a great actor in this movie? No. Is he genuinely funny like 10 times in this movie? Yes. I I think he's genuinely Mm. funny. I think it's a really hard thing to pull off. I think what's one of the most difficult things to pull off uh, in – Comedic acting. Those short shorts look incredible on you. Throw them off their game. You have an OnlyFans? And we'll clean up. You gonna wear that trash bag? You gonna wear that fake-ass Richard Simmons outfit? Release for me. Release for me. His timing's fantastic. He just really appeals to me as sort of like corny, a little bit too woke. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I enjoyed him in this movie. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, (laughs) That's for sure. I mean, as far as pedestrian performances go, his is uh, adequate. <laughs> I was, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie I've cared less about any of the people more. Uh, I mean, like right out. I mean, like, okay. So I, so here's, here's, I, I haven't seen the original in quite a while, but I watched it a bunch when it came out. Did you watch it in prep for this movie? I watched it. I'm going to tell you exactly how I watched this. These these two movies. Uh, I I talked. Okay, so Heather is not a white man can't jump fan mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, she just doesn't like any scene with Rosie Perez, um, and uh, and she just finds a lot of it to be kind of trite and just not into it. So we start this one, and she's like, you know, hey, for the, for the love of the podcast, um. We we so within twenty five minutes we had paused it three times like to let a dog out to go get a beverage to get a snack and I think it was like I'm like I normally because she hates it when like the movie gets interrupted 
And she's, I said, you know, this is the third time we paused this already. You know, this is something you really hate. She's like, yeah, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with stopping this a lot. So what I did was at the 25 minute mark, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up the original, which I know you can't stand. And we're going to watch it for 10 minutes. And I guarantee you, you're going to all of a sudden fall in love with that movie. Look, 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 Raymond, Raymond. Now, I seen you hustle, man. Hey, I ain't never used no goofy white motherfucker like that. Hey, who you calling goofy white motherfucker? you, you goofy white motherfucker. Let's go, Wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute, this is ridiculous, man. Look, Raymond, we are brothers, man. I swear to God, man, I have never seen this white boy before in my life. Sidney, you out of your mind negotiating with the guy with the blade? You got a wife and kid, man. How do you know my name? And how come he's talking about your family? What? Wait a minute. You talking about my wife and kid, and you don't know me? Wait a minute, Raymond, cut this motherfucker. Yo, cut that motherfucker right there. Nah, nah, fuck this. Both you motherfuckers are crazy. I'm going to my car, get my other gun, shoot everybody's ass. So we watched that one for 30 minutes before she's like, don't you need to watch the new one? Because we were already, she's like, this is, she's like, I already am more interested. I didn't have a backstory. There's no, like, I got little sprinklings of, okay, I, I know what this guy's problem is. I know what this uh -huh. guy's problem is. I, and, but like, it already made sense. Like there was a, it was a story like, I, these guys are kind of degenerates and I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. She uh, was all in on the mama jokes. Uh, her favorite being, uh, <laughs> told your mama to act her age. She dropped dead. <laughs> so good. I'm over here enamored with the shoes because I have some of them now and you know, I'm looking at Kadeem Hardison is wearing the infrared uh, Jordan sixes. And I'm like, I, I wore those like three days ago. <laughs> so I'm locked in on that. The music's fantastic. Uh, the style, the fashion. I mean, very, again, talk about nostalgia, right? So that's me going into that. But then I'm, but I'm also trying to watch it with a more critical eye. Uh, I had to finish the new one um, on my phone in bed. All right. Okay. I couldn't disagree more with the assessment of Rosie Perez. I don't think that there's anyone in this remake that holds a candle to Rosie Perez in terms of like the story, her story, her, oh, yeah. her oh, arc, sure. the whole Jeopardy thing. I loved, I absolutely loved the Jeopardy subplot. And I love at the end of it, she realizes this guy is a degenerate gambler. He's never going to change. And I love him, but I have to leave him. To yeah, me, yeah, no, that's an amazing ending. It's an amazing ending. I love it, and so it sort of leaves these two guys with each other, and you know, make yeah, of that he, how whatever you will, right? But Woody Harrelson—it's it's an interesting thing that they do—is they they continue to make them sort of these affable uh, partners, but they they're the tragic story, yeah. right? Especially the Woody Harrelson character. The Woody Harrelson at the end is still trying to gamble. <laughs> He just lost all of the winnings that he had. And his girl. And, in order to, and his girl. But he's like, now he's free of the burden of the Stooky brothers. Uh -huh. But he's got no money and he wants to still gamble. And I I just, so I think that that's a really, I like, like because I mean, the, the, the remake, it's, you know, let's tie a bow on all of this, right? Uh, 
by comparison, the Jack Harlow uh, and his girlfriend, that ending, the engagement versus the uh, Woody Harrelson, Rosie Perez thing like that, that ranks so much more true in the original. Yeah, yeah I, I totally this like, well, there's nothing about there's nothing like the, the I'm going to propose to you. It's like why? Like she just was away from him. And like the, 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 the I guess the romantic subplot was such a afterthought. Mm hmm. That it was that that became a little problematic for me. Well, this is interesting to me because I love, I love the Rosie Perez subplot. I like in general. I like the twists and turns of the first one. It's sort of the double cross. You know who's who's actually getting hustled. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't happen in the new one. I hate Woody Harrelson. I know you do. And so sort of you replace... Only because you don't like uh, unattractive faces. He's actually not unattractive in this film, but there's something that happens between this and 10 years of obsessive smoking that just does something horrible to his face. In <laughs> uh, this one, he's not all that unattractive. But for me, if you replace an actor that I hate in a movie that's pretty good... With someone with the charisma of Jack Harlow, I'm in. Like I, I like it. I now I'm not a huge fan of Wesley Snipes either. But I think that this this white man can't jump may be his best movie. I still like Sugar Hill, but okay. So I mean, but this is I mean, this sort of peak Wesley Snipes. He he. I mean, he he's cannot, so good in this. He's so good in this, you think that at 5'9", he could dunk on a regulation rim flat-footed. He cannot dribble a basketball. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's trash with a basketball. But uh, anyway, I just thought, for me, why not Jack Harlow instead of Woody Harrelson? But then, of course, I would be like, why not anyone instead of Woody Harrelson? <laughs> so anyway, that that's kind of my my take on Well, Woody, Woody Harrelson sort of the comment, because he's making that he's in the midst of making that transition from a uh, small screen to big screen, you know, famously having played Woody Boyd on cheers. So he kind of represents like the, the prototypical kind of hayseed white guy. I mean, I know that's not necessarily what he's doing in this film. Well, yeah, but, but he like, is, but he, from the marketability standpoint, right? Like he would be the, like, if you were going to say, Hey, there's a white guy that can't jump like Woody Harrelson at that time might've been the perfect Oh sure, and he's also, a hillbilly. I mean, he's from Louisiana, and he's like loves country music and a little bit. Well, I love a little I bit love, racist. Let's be honest. Sure, a little bit. I racist. love the I, I love that there's this big moment where he gets to dunk, right? Like to prove that he can jump, and that's like that's kind of what this whole movie is like, at least from a title perspective. And they actually have that. He loses like that's where he first starts to. We really see how how much of a problem he has is is this whole dunk thing. And he does, and he finally does get the dunk and it's the winning. And it harkens back to the, sometimes when you win, you lose. And it's like, I think that's actually a pretty, it's a very interesting thing. I think it was lost on me at a, at a younger age when I watched this is that like his crowning achievement in terms of like the whole jump concept is his, is like his lowest point. <laughs> and it's, it's really clever. And whereas in this movie, this movie should have been called white men can't land because he jumps fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, geez. 
So uh, in terms of the Jack Harlow joint, was there a tweak that you would have made to improve this movie? Um, I would have just done a shot for shot remake of the first one and see what happened. Who would you like? All right. Who would you like to see cast in the two main roles? Well, so here's so I guess I guess that is are we presupposing that we're going to go with this really boring plot? Because I don't think this. So here's the thing is I, I like the I, I mean, you were kind of onto something with, OK, here's a here's a guy that had all the potential to go pro and it didn't work out. Yeah. And and I'm still scratching my head um, why punching a guy in the stands in the NBA where this has happened <laughs> on the court during a professional basketball game and has led to like a suspension, yeah, yeah. but not necessarily a career ending uh, opportunity. I'm going to push back on you. All right. I hear, I hear okay, what you're saying. Okay, go for it. I hear what you're saying. Because uh-huh. um, this is this is the premise of the whole thing. No, yeah, and this really needs this really needs to work. Okay, and it needs to be plausible. Okay, do you remember how big a deal the mouse at the palace was? Mm-hmm. Okay, these are guys with contracts. Mm-hmm. If you had a mouse at the palace situation with someone who you do not have to give money to because he's not yet been in the draft, mm-hmm. I could see that guy not getting the contract. Like, who wants to take a risk on a Ron Artest-type player when you don't have to? Every NBA team. No, no. Because he just got cheaper. Because <laughs> he just got cheaper. I mean, okay. He goes late in the draft. Okay, I could see that. He, he goes late in the he, I see him going late in the draft. But a lot of times late draft picks get sent to the G League and they never emerge. This guy didn't even get that. Okay, because later we find out he does go to the G League and he gets a 10 day contract in his late 20s. So he's obviously real, real good. Okay, so all right, a pause team... there, pause there. Let me just add one more thing. He's the kind of guy who could continue his dream, but his father is in desperate need of medical care. And so he decides he's mm-hmm. going to get a nine to five job. He's not going to kind of like toil in the G League for a few years, making almost nothing. He needs is a full time job. He gets a full time job. So here's the thing: is that this has 2010? Was the G League even around then? I I don't know. So so here we go. Uh, I think he would have been drafted, or he could have played overseas. There's there's and you can make okay. You can make more he, money than you can as a FedEx. Play overseas if he's trying to take care of his dad here in L.A. Well, but his dad was his dad wasn't where he was at that point. He was much more mobile at that point. If you get an overseas contract, you can actually probably go to maybe a place where, I don't know, you've got health care. <laughs> so I still, I'm going to go back to my original question. Uh, if you were going to cast, let's say you were going to do a remake of White Man Can't Jump. I'm going to cast a new writer. All right. That's fine. First. That's fine. The story can look however you you want it to look. Um, who do you want in the two main roles. Definitely want people with charisma. So that's going to be, I'm going to Google charismatic actors. <laughs> I just, the thing is, is that it's just, Eddie there was nothing. <laughs> yes. But he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's, it's Gary Oldman. <laughs> I mean, how old is Jack Harlow in this film supposed to be? Like, 27 
think he, I think yeah, at okay. some point they say he's 27. Yeah, because I think they're 28, 27, right? Okay, okay. He's totally um, delusional. I don't get the sense that Jamal is that old. I, I think he's give, still give, in give his me like early a, 20s. No, because it was 10 years from high school, 10 years after. Mm. So, so if he was high school, then he's at least 28. Yeah, that's implausible. So I would put like a Will Poulter in the in the Jack Harlow role. I think he looks he looks the part. I think he's got some chops uh, for that role. What about the Jamal role? CGI Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that's actually probably a, it would be a great call. How old is John Boyega? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Here's what I like. I like it when a remake will take a detail or maybe maybe an underappreciated detail about the original and kind of run with it. Uh, Woody Harrelson, like he is corny, but it's sort of like he's corny on choice because by choice because it's part of the scam, right? It's mm-hmm. part of the hustle that he's wearing a tie-dye baseball hat. Right. Um, so then I kind of like the idea that the Jack Harlow character is sort of like gone full hippie. Sure, a little more sincere in that role, right? A little, and it's interesting to me that he's he grows up in L.A. because Jack Harlow famously is from Kentucky. Hmm. Um, uh, they could have sort of highlighted the Southern duff. Here's what I liked about the Jack Harlow character. I liked that he's sort of like easygoing, kind of hippie, mantras, meditation. What's the one thing that sets him off? It's another white basketball player who's good Mm -hmm. i really like that idea like he only gets to play his part when he's around black people he can kind of use microaggressions toward right and it's all kind of bullshit and he kind of knows it's bullshit like it's all part of the hustle and it comes back on him because he's not he is not that guy he is the kind of guy who absolutely has an ego he still has the delusion that he wants to make it to the league and you see exactly who he is when he's has to D up against a white guy who's a little bit better than him at basketball. You see his sort of true colors come out. Right. Uh, I, so I like that. I definitely like I, that. I, I didn't there, get there that in the I original have... and yeah. I thought this one was inter- more interesting to me than, you know, this is a guy who likes country music because there's the stereotype. Yeah, I th- I think there were some elements in this that I appreciated. Uh, one of them being um, that, like, you know, the Kamal, he gets in the G League, and that was uh, the Jack Harlow character's goal, right? Uh, right. So that was kind of a, you know, but again, it's also very tidy, and it also, I'm, I'm assuming that this is the plot we have to work with, and I think that that was a, a, an all right way to do it. So we, I think we both agree that the the original has a better ending. Was this? Does this feel to you like a Disney Studio note? It, it yeah. Like so this that's kind of where absolute I absolute Disney ending, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's maybe where I was kind of a little bit uh, I don't know on edge about the film is that I mean White Man Can't Jump doesn't really the original doesn't move you away from the idea that these guys are not great. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and you enter into their world and you can have a lot of fun with it and you can, you know, you get some good quotes and everything. And and then even it kind of ends with them like throwing the ball back and forth. But at the same time, you're like, what? <laughs> their life sucks. 
and it's gonna keep sucking right and it's a kind of an interesting end right and and um and it's a selfish end and they're selfish and that that works and so is this one when it's like oh he's he's taking pills yeah but the biggest problem with him taking pills is not the a potential addiction or what it does to him in the decision making process it's just that his girlfriend doesn't want him to like that's a yeah. weird that's a weird use of that right, right, right you know what i mean it's like it's like you introduce this thing that's like a a, a globally known problem and it's sort of a just a sort of a bummer that he's doing it right so it's like so why like it's an odd like there's just they they introduce things that they don't do anything about like they like they, I, that's mm-hmm. where i guess i give the the first movie a little more credit is like if you keep doing this you're gonna lose uh you're gonna lose everything and then he does yeah and and i think that's good and then in this one it was like if you keep doing this um your girlfriend will come back and and marry you and then you'll somehow be a uh you know a coach a personal coach for a very successful nba player and it was like but like there was no like that leap <laughs> like what and then again i go back to the it's called the white man can't jump and when he needs to dunk no problem i'm like what are we doing <laughs> well you did have the line it was a little bit um fourth wall breaking uh where the guy who's sitting on the bench basically like everyone explodes when he dunks and then this the sizzler thing he basically says you're all acting like white men can't jump. It's sort of like right, right. a subversion of like, I don't know. It didn't quite work. Well, so yeah, yeah. It didn't quite work. Well, and, the, and, and you have, there, there's a few specific homages to the first one. Uh, they play on the court where the guy says he's going to go get his gun and shoot shoot all y'all up. And then so this time the guy has a flamethrower. I'm like, all right. That was, uh, was a very silly moment in a movie that I'm like, well, good. Something funny. <laughs> Something I, I'll be honest. Entertaining. I love the. I love the. The flamethrower. <laughs> right. Was, I want. Really like, so, so, but this is my issue with the tone of this movie. I'm like, what are you trying to be? So, are you trying to be a redemption story? Right. Are you trying to be an homage? Are you trying to be funny? Are you trying to be whack? Because I like, could at least with the like the white man can't jump thing. It was a universe that was like upbeat in its depressing mm-hmm. notion right and i could always maintain that same tone and and there the 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 funny moments with rosie perez about getting the you know the category for foods that start with q is like her whole lamenting of like she's got all this useless knowledge like i i think that that like that kept a nice really kind of even you're like another little layer of funny you are real life rosie perez in that way <laughs> I am, and so, but in this, it's like, all right, look, that was a flamethrower scene, and then like, okay, so Jack Harlow's character, like, oh, he does like meditation stuff. It's like, I guess you know, I mean, it's like, all right, but like, it didn't, I didn't feel like it leaned into any one of those things enough because it was trying to do all these, and then like, the, so yeah, there was there was the other homage where uh, the girlfriend straddles him while he's driving, and it's like that that happened yeah, in the first one. Right. It's like like the things the things you choose that they, they chose to to hearken to were like eh, I don't know if you needed those specific homages. Maybe maybe try to capture some of the other essences. And this is I think what we talked about. Like and I think it's really good that you started off the what do you want in a remake is that i feel like they kind of missed the point right like if you're going to remake the first one and you're going to say we're going to do this type of story for the next generation they completely changed the the tone of the film and the kind of the, the point of it which it's fine if you're going to do that but 
but then you still then now you have the burden of of delivering all the way through right like where if you do a remake that's sort of just a remake and it's and and you go look we've got a foundation and and we we trust it um you can kind of get away with just maybe a modern telling of that same story but if you're going to tweak it like this you've you've decided you're not going to tell that type of story so you better really be you know committed to the story that you are trying to tell and that's what i i couldn't figure out what that was so here's a key shift in the film from the first one this film is really about the the problem and the overcoming and the eventual success of the Kamal Allen character played by Cinqua Walls. And that's a shift because the original film has none of that, you know, none of the father issues, none of, none of that. It really is mm-hmm. about Woody Harrelson. And so what they've done with this one is they've kind of like shifted the weight. So I'm just kind of curious, the Cinqua Walls performance, what did you think about him as an actor? I think he's, I think he was good enough for what they asked him to do. I No, see, I think he's good, but he's in the wrong movie. So well, I, they I, I think I mean, this kind of speaks to your thing about what movie, what kind of story you're trying to tell here, because I think he's actually a pretty decent dramatic actor, but he is nowhere as charismatic as Wesley Snipes was. Right. So, but, so that's the thing, right? So is this movie, that's where I guess maybe where I was saying good enough, like you've created a world here for this character that is going to require some dramatic gravitas, but you're not really asking it to deliver it. So he's doing everything he can with that. Mm -hmm. And, but the movie itself doesn't care enough about it, right? Like it, it everything just feels like plot points, right? It doesn't, nothing felt mm. particularly organic. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why then, I'm saying this feels like it had sort of like a, a corporate notes sensibility. Like we don't know how to write this character. So what we're going to do is we're going to give him sort of a tragic father thing. And then he's going to have an overcoming yeah, thing. It's a really, so that, it's a cookie cutter Disney movie. That's what, that's what this is. Yeah. So, so there's more. So it's interesting because you said like there's so much more about Woody Harrelson in What Me Can Jump. And yeah, and I would definitely say he's the he's the primary target uh, for for the audience. But at the same time, I I learned a lot about Wesley Snipes, and I actually kind of like his character made sense all the way through, even when he's sitting there on the bed and he's telling Woody Harrelson, "Like we well, gotta listen to the woman." And he's like, "Well, I listened to you." He's like, "That was your fault," <laughs> you know. And I I kind of like that. Like I liked because like that was true to his character. And he was also like the next level of what Woody Harrelson is is trying to achieve, which is it's hard to shed some of this skin, but if you can, you, you can almost allow yourself to be this degenerate as long as you're doing all the other things you're supposed to be doing, which you know not the greatest you know moral of the story, but at least that was like com- by comparison he was better, right? Yeah. So th- I didn't get any real sense of that i mean i guess the big secret or the big thing with the jack harlow character was like well he's playing or trying to get into basketball and he's, he was supposed to give it up but there was it just felt like the stakes weren't the same right you know and 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 everything felt like it was set up to be solved whereas the white man can't jump situation was it was set up to con- kind of perpetuate like the, the, <laughs> they weren't capable to solve this they were only capable of living for each moment. 
Is there a cliche or a motif that you enjoyed in this movie? Well, so going back to the remakes, like I, I mean, I, I find myself doing the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where I point to the screen like, oh, look, that's the same place that the uh, original was in, (laughs) you know? So I I think for remakes for me is that I, even if I'm not loving it, like I liked, I don't mind the, um, the wink and the nod to the, to the first one. Like they're coming Um, down the stairs to watch. This is going to be great. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, so that sort of works for me a little bit. Yeah. Um, Especially if it's, but all it did in this, kind of movie and it does and oftentimes in remakes is it makes me go ah, i want to watch the other one <laughs> you know but right which isn't isn't always a bad thing right because <laughs> it's it's sort of inspiring me to go to the other i mean uh, there's you know there there's a there's plenty of cliches in this let's put it that way so uh some some work better than others but um, i uh i like for some reason i always laugh at male nudity in a locker room <laughs> And especially if the main character is sort of confronted with it and is disgusted, because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> and honestly, I avoid locker rooms just because of that. Like, the, the, I don't even want to go into the the pool shower room afterwards. I'll go around. Like, there's, I just, there's nothing good. There's nothing good about that. I find it very disgusting. I don't even want to see myself naked. I was just going to say, I don't want to, like, I wish I had no mirrors in my house. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I, I usually laugh when, when they pull that gag. <laughs> What's your favorite part about the remake of uh white man can't jump? I saw a man's ass <laughs> and he scratched it. And the other guy was grossed out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I did enjoy Jack Harlow. I think he is charismatic. Uh, I thought he was as far as sort of, carrying the heft of a movie like this for his debut not bad i I, so so i had a fundamentally different experience of jack harlow than you did uh and it may have helped that i watched it with my son and yeah uh, yeah i guess i think what it came down to is i just never i just didn't always believe it right i just felt like i'm like what are you supposed to be and maybe I'm still looking through the lens of the original, which is I'm waiting for like the other shoe to drop to find out like what a scoundrel this guy is. But I, I think that's the thing I found with this movie is the movie didn't have the courage to make these guys that bad. So this movie felt a little like a little uptight, a little scared. Steve, was this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? Man, that's an interesting one. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by it since that's the whole point of our podcast. Um <laughs> We've even changed the name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is, there's a part of me that, that feels like this is real close to a properly Howard, but I might be looking at some of the, like, like this feels like properly lesser Howard, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say probably give it a Howard minus one. Um, mm-hmm. Though, though I think, I think, yeah, it may be, and maybe that's too high, just because I think maybe Ron Howard would do a little bit more with the characters, make them a little bit more compelling to me. Yeah, I think Howard is kind of known for like really impressive actors and getting getting some some emotional heft out of them, uh, even if the story isn't very strong. But I was going to land on Howard minus one as well. 
just because I kind of feel like this has the bones that, that you would get out of a Howard movie. Right. Maybe Howard minus one for me seems low given how much I enjoyed the movie. And I think maybe Howard minus one maybe seems high for you given how much you enjoy the movie. Right. I, I think what it comes down to is that I was just, I just wasn't very interested. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that's worse than not liking something. Sure. 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 Um, I, here's a new question that I'm going to ask. I'm going to incorporate. So, Steve, you and I are working on a screenplay together. Is there anything about this movie that you would like to incorporate in our unfinished screenplay? Flamethrower. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Have you ever seen a movie that has a flamethrower that you weren't intrigued by? I'm trying to think of a movie that's just like, uh, that was just gratuitous or too much flamethrower. <laughs> I, I what's your favorite flamethrower movie? Because mine's Running Man off the top of my head. Uh, well, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would be a... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, a flamethrower to me is very fun because it feels medieval. It's like... You're mm-hmm. gonna use fire against your enemy, like yeah, fire. That's old school. But well, as somebody who owns a flamethrower, I have quite the appreciation. For all right, it, so. well, we're gonna pause right there. You own a flamethrower. Well, it's more of a gardening flamethrower, if you're familiar with such a thing. But uh, you hook it up to a propane tank and you burn your weeds using an actual. You get your little little flint spark, and then you adjust your flame and you burn your burn the weeds in your in your driveway and people wonder why there are wildfires in california (laughs) pick the windiest day (laughs) yeah no it's true well it's funny because this is i mean i'm sure we can get a much better flamethrower than what we have but like it took a little bit of finesse to get it to to work um and it but it's a kind of a crude thing yeah can i can i just say shooting shooting gas out i'm not usually (laughs) i don't usually judge other people's gardening this seems like a bad idea it's an idea (laughs) you know the harder question steve is who made the jump from actor to recording artist don johnson (laughs) he did um eddie murphy eddie murphy uh bruce willis um why is it so hard to go the other way oh well these guys didn't do it very well well that's what i'm saying like if these are the our primary examples well so uh, like if you let's if you're if you're a good musician right like if you're a good singer uh-huh. um chances are you probably um you performed right you performed your song so maybe sure. the idea of performing and and emoting is not so foreign right because you're you know chances are your songs have got like some sort of emotion that you're trying to convey right um, you're, you're in you, front of you, people you're conveying emotionality right you know at least you're acting like a rock star right right yeah i mean your whole life is a charade at that point sure right so i mean maybe it's just like how many painters like not it's hard for painters to become president but it's easier for uh, presidents (laughs) like george w bush become a painter right like they don't always go the other direction right all right so let's let's put it this way it maybe it's just really simple maybe it's just like singing is a lot harder than acting yeah that could be part of it right 
I wonder if it's. I wonder if the auto tune has sort of leveled the playing field. We 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 need someone to try to go the other way. <laughs> this is from Aaron. Aaron writes, Stephen Anthony. I'm thrilled that the two of you are back for a new season. I love your dynamic and have been listening to you both since the very beginning of your Game of Thrones reviews on Bald Move. I wanted to ask you about that, Steve. Do you feel like we're doing anything substantially different? than we were doing in the early seasons of Game of Thrones, or is this basically the same shtick? It's it's a longer shtick for me. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's probably the biggest difference is, is that, um, and I think it's reflected in the um, in the audience numbers that uh, clearly <laughs> this is not what they were hoping for. <laughs> the other thing about this is that you chose none of the material back then, right? So we went through all eight seasons of Game of Thrones and at no point did you say, I choose this episode, or I, I want... Right. It was all sort of my choice to do it for all eight seasons. And then Cocoon's of Horror was like, let's cover Howard the Duck. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of what like what we what we thought the formula was um, in the uh, the success of that podcast was, was not the wildly popular Game of Thrones series. Yeah. It was us. It, thought, it must have been we, us. Had nothing to do with, mm-hmm. with, with HBO or yeah. George they're R. like, R. yeah, you know what? I these guys. You, uh, we assumed that these people, after turning off the podcast, like, man, I would listen to these guys review anything. That's what we thought. Uh-huh. And then so we went ahead and put that to the test. Still putting it to the test. As a matter of fact, I mean, look, I don't think it has zero to do with our winning personalities, <laughs> but uh, it may have more to do with our losing personalities. <laughs> For those that are like, oh, cool, these guys are talking about Gremlins too, as well. Like that's we're so grateful for you. Don't get it when we wrong. I'm not uh, without you. Uh, well, without you, I wouldn't know the difference. Really, we're just gonna do this no matter what. So. Well, without without you, we wouldn't have gotten this kind email from Aaron. We wouldn't have listener feedback. <laughs> so, I mean, that's <laughs> so. Anyway, thank you for that, Aaron. I appreciate it. Uh, John writes, I wanted to talk about what could be considered a remake or not. Per the Academy Awards, any sequel is an adapted work. So who is to say what Superman Returns was adapted from? He asks. Uh, But I really agree it is a remake of three. So again, we get to litigate this. My argument here is that Superman Returns aims to be a reimagining of the Superman universe that was created by 1 and 2. And then, now we have a remake of the third Superman movie. Okay, so I would argue that it's more of a replacement. Sure, yeah. No, I think that every remake is a replacement in some sense. Not necessarily, um, because, well, sometimes they... uh, they link, right? They they belong to the same... Like, this doesn't belong to the same universe as 3. It ignores 3 ever happened, right? So it says, there is no 3. Mm-hmm. There is no... So there's just this now. So this becomes Superman 3, but it's not a remake of Superman 3. So if, if they follow. would have called it Superman Returns First Blood Part 2... Right, exactly. You'd be okay with that? Uh, because they're like, okay, so look at the Ghostbusters, right? Like, So the Ghostbusters was a remake, right yeah. with the all uh, with the uh, with the new cast right and it doesn't it, it ignores that the other one existed right so it it, it, it kind it of serves. i mean you had bill murray so you're winking to the audience right it's like we're all in on the same joke when bill murray shows right up. and then you've got um 
but then you have you know ghostbusters afterlife that 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 acts as a sequel to ghostbusters 2 so it's almost like a multiverse at this point right right um, i mean look i think i still so think superman so superman super, superman returns is a i mean it's to me it's a direct sequel to superman 2 which makes it you can argue that it was superman 3 but it's not the superman 3 that exists right see the the fact that there was a superman 3 and this one is acting as if it doesn't exist to me makes it a better remake than it does a sequel but it yeah i think a, a, i don't think it works as a sequel i think it works as a remake yeah i mean cuz okay so like if you look at white men can't jump right i mean they really took they they don't even have the same character yeah exactly so then you I mean it's like okay is this even a remake it's, or is it just a movie that has the same name? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like it is. It, so that's an interesting thing about remakes, because um, some are clearly like trying to remake. Like, because I, I think Force Awakens was a good opportunity for you to, to to bring that up, right? Because it's not billed as a remake, but it certainly serves as one, right? Yeah. In in many ways, because uh, it takes it essentially takes much of the DNA from A New Hope, and basically says, look, it, it happened again uh, with new people, and so it sort of reimagines it and so that's i mean so i think we're going to see though like as we go through these remakes like i think probably without having seen infernal affairs my guess is that the departed because it's a Mm -hmm. it's like an american version that might feel a little bit more of like what like a true remake is like what we think of what a remake should be like oh we're going to do this uh this thing for for our audience um Whereas, like we talked about with White Man Can't Jump, when you compare the two, it's like, yeah, but you're not comparing. I mean, you're comparing title to title, but and but the rest of it doesn't doesn't link. They don't have the so, same. But we're going to agree that Superman Returns is something of a sequel, right? Yeah. It's... Okay, but it's not your typical sequel, and so it it occupies a kind of an odd space. Because I think it's doing something not a lot of other movies have tried to do. It's like. I'm I'm going to insert a sequel into a series that exi- that already exists but I'm going to act as if the third iteration of the movie doesn't exist. I don't I don't know if we have a, an example of something like right. that. So I I think that, I mean I I know that there are uh, Halloween. Uh so Halloween and then Halloween, Halloween two, is, and they're talking about like the originals. Halloween two follows mm. Halloween directly. Halloween three, season of the witch, does not have anything to do with those two movies at all. So then, when you get to Halloween four, it's it it. I mean, it's like three didn't ever happen, or three if three exists, it's in a whole different mm. world. Um, so that's an so they kind of like with this is I think maybe even suggested it when we did the the review of of white men can't jump is like maybe you make the movie and then later you're like well what is this movie <laughs> it's like well if we call it white men can't jump it it might bring in an audience like so like there's there's the song on our own going back to ghostbusters uh by by bobby brown and uh and it's and it's the, the main song from ghostbusters too um but the majority of the song has nothing to do with <laughs> ghostbusters until there's a rap right he inserts a rap so it almost feels like they the studio said hey we w- would love for you to record a uh, ghostbusters uh, song and he's like yeah dude totally um and then just cocaine binge after cocaine binge 
Like he wakes up and he's like, oh, crap, that's today. So he finds that he has a song already in the can and he's like, crap, I got to make this thing Ghostbusters. And so he throws down like 20 seconds of rap lyrics and just shoehorns it into this other song. I like to think it's the reverse. I like to think that he was born. He's just sit- he's just been sitting on a Ghostbusters it rap. It was the first thing he ever wrote. It's like, I, I've got to <laughs> write this thing that's in my head. It has to get out of me. It's a it's a, <laughs> sending Ray Parker Jr. fan mail and like this was right. in it. That's right. And then, you know, it sort of like became part of his subconscious and he was trying to write a different song, but the spirit just moved and and it inserted the lyrics into that other song. I love it. And his producer was like, Well, this this is it. This is this is how it had to come out. <laughs> um John goes on and corrects me. I did. This is actually a, a mistake on my part. I thought that the departed, the departed, was based on a movie called Internal Affairs. Uh, it's it's Infernal Affairs, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was just a, a mistake on my part. I didn't misstate it. I meant to say Internal Affairs. I I was just misinformed. Yeah, so Internal Affairs, of course, being the Richard Gere, Andy Garcia film of, uh, I think, the late 80s. Is that correct? Oh, man, I hate, I just can't stand Richard Gere in that period. And in that movie, he's horrible. So not only is he an actor I hate, he's a character I hate. So is it, but is he effective that you hate the character, or are you so blinded by your your Gere bias? Mm -hmm. This is kind of like, how I experience Superman Returns now when Lex Luthor is actually evil. Mm-hmm. Like, well, Kevin Spacey fits perfectly here. So that's an, yeah. So, okay. So now, now that we're reviewing Superman Returns, um, I mean, yeah, that, that Lex Luthor is a lot less whimsical. A little bit less. I mean, it's hard to replace Gene Hackman. But Gene Hackman's got, has a certain, you know, like I said, he has a certain goofiness to him. Right, I I would almost say, hmm. Now, now I'm I, I'm I'm about to say something I don't know if I agree with, but I do think that Superman Returns continues to work because I don't have to like Kevin Spacey. But the question is, did I ever? Do I think that Gene Hackman would have been a good guy to get a beer with? And I don't think that that's true. I think he's an amazing actor, and I love him as an actor. But would I want to get a beer with him? Well, I mean, if you get a beer with Gene Hackman, you'll remember it. <laughs> this got really dark really fast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't want Spacey as my bartender anytime. Right. <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs>
Empire.